All right. Well, um, last time we finished up the index, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we looked at Proverbs 2 and learned that God's instruction um, to seek out wisdom and understanding is we should do this with a great fervor. And that we shouldn't just sit around on the couch and hope that um, God's wisdom is going to just come into us by osmosis, right? That we're supposed to seek it. Jesus tells us if you seek it, you can find it. And so we, we should go out there and be proactive about it. We can come then to know and understand God's will as um, he promised to plant it in our hearts. So it becomes really personal for us. So then when he plants that into our hearts, uh, it becomes our will. And so that leads then to this radical transformation of, uh, of us as, uh, of our being, really, of who we are. Our hearts are get changed. And so we come then to understand what is right, what is just, and what is fair. And so these things, things that are right, just, and fair, become the things that we pray for. And so this all really leads us to um, being guided by God to an understanding of his good and perfect will. Um, so remember the, the, the um, analogy was so that you don't have to be like a stupid horse or a mule that need to be led by a bit and bridle. So your, your heart gets changed, God leads you, and you desire to do the things that he wants done, so our, his will becomes our will. And then we summarize then that index of may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is really a call for our thoughts and our desires to become aligned with God's desires. And that then translates into meaning that we want the same things that God wants. And so, yes, we saw that God gives us freedom to choose, right? We talked about where did evil come from? Evil came from Satan, where it was in heaven. So in heaven, evil came. And then where did sin come from? In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And where was God? Right there, right? So this, these things happened in God's presence because he gives us this choice. And so we can choose the folly of the world, the darkness, as Pastor Scott teaches on today, um, and we can walk aimlessly then, or we can choose to seek out, proactively seek out what God instructs us and what he reveals about himself and his character. So then he says, well, if you seek me with this great fervor, then the decisions that you make, whether big or small, will be guided by that wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And so then again, when we do these things, his will becomes our will, and then we fulfill, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we pray then, this is this class about prayer, so what, how does this relate? Well, we, we, we pray then for this wisdom, for this understanding, and um, this knowledge Okay, so then we then turned our focus upon the next index, last time we started, was give us this day our daily bread, right? And so we noticed that at this point, the prayer changes its focus. The, the first part of the prayer is really kind of God-centered, and now we come to this, um, give us this day our daily bread, which is 
focused upon us, right? It's our needs. And then we looked at what prayer, or I'm sorry, what bread means from God's perspective. And we, we, we recalled the Exodus uh, narrative regarding God um, sending bread from heaven in the form of manna. That was the daily bread, was this manna. And God made it clear that he was sending a daily portion each day as a test to see if his people would trust that he was going to provide every day. Would they be obedient and trust in his provision? And so there was an emphasis upon each day. So we need to trust him today. And when we then need to trust him tomorrow. And then we need to trust him then the next day. Jesus is teaching us to pray, give us this day. We then looked at a passage in Deuteronomy 8 where God was teaching his people, it isn't just the bread that sustains you, but rather um, my promise and every word that comes from my mouth. In this case, the promise was that he was going to send bread every day. Are you going to trust in me? God will provide what we need today, today. And he'll provide what we need tomorrow, tomorrow, and so on. And the notion then of bread took a huge turn when we looked at a couple of passages from John 6. And here Jesus is teaching he is the true bread from heaven. So that causes us to consider then, well, what am I praying for? Am I praying for physical sustenance, food, or spiritual necessity? We can't store up what we need from God, right? We can't store up today what we need tomorrow. He requires a daily dependence upon us. And that's this focus that God, throughout the scripture, keeps trying to teach people, trying to teach people, and trying to teach people. This is where this pride becomes a problem. We think we can do it, we can sustain it, we're good enough. And God is saying, come to me this day. Come to me today for what you need. Then we look to um, where Jesus taught in Matthew 6, and he said, Jesus said, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Okay, give us this day. All right, so that was last time. Any questions about that we will be covered before we march on? Okay, so we're looking at or hinting at that God is our provider. Well, we're not really hinting. We're, we're coming out and God's telling us, I'm, the, I'm your provider. Um, and that we are dependent upon him. And so now we're going to kind of delve into that a little deeper. And so um, to begin this, we're going to look at James 1, 17. So in James 1, verse 17, he says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, become his prized possession. I'm sorry, I stuck a second verse in there, 17 and 18. So, so anyway, he says, 
He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, right? The word is Christ. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. But whatever is good and perfect is a gift from God. Notice James doesn't say that we are compensated for what we do. He doesn't say that we're compensated for our good works or that because we were out doing stuff, um, you, you deserve payment. No, he says the God's prized possession we are God's, God's prized possession. Therefore, he gives us good and perfect gifts. He doesn't, well, I should say, that isn't going to change, right? <clears throat> God doesn't change or move the goalposts. And so that's important. You know, it's not, we don't have to chase after a changing God. He is who he says he is, has been, and will be. So we know what he, what, who he is, what we can study and find his character, and so we know that he's going to not change. We can depend upon his provision. So last time, you know, we looked at Jesus saying that God knows what we need, right? We are, he already knows that. We've actually looked at it a couple of different times. And, and like the flowers of the field, you know, he provides for them. And he says he will provide for you because you're more valuable. And James is really just kind of adding to that sentiment here um, and adding that there's this credence that we can ask for, uh, what we need, that it's okay to ask what we need. And most of us um, would agree that really having something to eat when we need it is a good gift, right? We kind of think that's a good thing when you're hungry. And so we pray then for God to provide. Well, sometimes. But usually we just assume because, well, go out and get a job. Go get a job you know, to pay, take care of yourself, right? Well, where does that job come from? Where does the, you know, the resources come to pay you? So, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, it isn't in our own self-strength that we do that. But in today's culture, right, we use money to purchase things. We don't barter much like, like used to be. Um, so now we use money to purchase things um, with some exceptions. You know, some of us grow gardens and some of us might, might raise a, a calf or something. But along similar things, but generally speaking, um, we go and purchase things. So we often look then at this index of the prayer as asking for the means to purchase food, uh, pay electric bill or have reliable transportation, get the refrigerator fixed, whatever, right? So we pray then to have the resources as our, as our daily bread, our provision. And so then if we turn to Acts 17, we get a little more evidence of that notion, right? Then this is a, I really like this section of Acts. It's a really kind of a fascinating thing, what Paul does here. Um, this is a portion of a very clever speech that Paul made in Athens, Greece, all right? And so we all know the Greek and Roman gods, right? This pagan gods, we studied them in school, right? And so here is Paul in the heartbeat of pagan country. This is Athens. This is where all these Greek gods 
are being celebrated, right? And so he's strolling down the causeway, right, here in Athens, and along the causeway are statue after statue, shrine after shrine of these gods whom they worship. And as Paul's walking along, he sees this one um, that's inscribed to an unknown god. Well, okay, Greeks being pagans, right, they've got it for everything. They wanted to make sure they didn't slip up and forget one. So we got, okay, this is the unknown God, hasn't revealed himself to us yet, but we don't want to forget him um, because it may be something really important if we figure it out. So we're going to have a shrine for this God who we don't know, but we don't want to miss one, all right? So um, I want to make sure all the bases are covered so they have this shrine to an unknown God, and it's inscripted to the unknown God. So that's where Paul comes in, right? And so Paul uses this shrine to say, hey, I can tell you. I know this unknown God, and I'm going to tell you about him. And here's a portion of that description that's recorded for us in Acts 17. So just a couple of verses from Acts 17, but that's the backstory behind this, this, this passage here. So Paul says, He is the God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples, like, like the other shrines, right? They had these shrines and temples, and they would say to the gods, that was the gods' home, right? He said, well, no, he said, that's not the case. Um, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. He gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. This is our God. We know him. This is our God. So now, this may be in the form of, Lord, grant me the skill I need to whatever, um, or Lord, I'm asking for your provision to be supplied um, through a job that I need, so I'm not a burden. Um, but it, so it is right to pray to God, asking for our needs to be satisfied. That's what he does. And he said, and Paul tells us this, that this is the guy, I'm describing my God, this God you don't know, this God satisfies every need. So Paul is telling us, in essence, that this is where we go to. And so when God provides, right, he doesn't always send a UPS truck um, or DoorDash, Right? And so he provides in all kinds of ways. Um, you know, I'm reminded to the story where Elijah was sent out running from Ez or Queen Jezebel and King Ahab, and, um, and the Lord sends him to the brook. And so he's got water during the drought, and the ravens are bringing, the ravens are coming every morning, bringing him meat, and then coming in the evening and bringing him bread. Well, that's God directly providing, right? When he's sending the ravens to bring him food, uh, that's, that's rather direct. Well, we don't see that much anymore these days, although it certainly could happen. Um, it comes in much other forms. But regardless, he provides us then with these opportunities, whether it was skills or talents, um, these things that we should be praying for and giving thanks because he provided them. Let me kind of wrap up this truth with um, something we all know, but, but we often forget. 
And that's the opening verse of the of 23rd Psalm. Just this one verse, you know it. Um, we know it well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God provides. In this part of the prayer, when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, remember, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We just have to ask. So any questions so far? Kind of straightforward by and large. So last time we also introduced in this notion of bread being a spiritual need when we talked about Jesus being the true bread of heaven, right? And so this aspect is something that we don't often think about um, when we think about our daily bread or when we think about this prayer. We don't necessarily see the spiritual aspect to this. But I want to turn your attention kind of to thinking about the Lord's Supper, right? Or the Last Supper and what we would, you know, communion. We know communion. And so we routinely hear pastors quoting Jesus from one of the Gospels during our communion. Um, and I'm going to use Luke, just that we could have picked the others, but just Luke in 19, 20, chapter, sorry, chapter 22, 19, where he says, He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, the bread. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, we hear this all the time, every time we do communion, right? And so do we think that through? When you think about give us this day our daily bread, Jesus says, take this bread, it is my body broken for you. So the bread has a very spiritual component. And this bread symbolizes his body as a sacrifice um, for the payment of sins. So then in the communion sacrament, we are really called then to accept all of Jesus, right? So this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. So we're called to eat and drink the bread, the body and the blood. Well, this kind of sounds gross, right? But the point is, we're to accept all of Jesus, all that he is and all that he has and all that he was. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we certainly can be praying that we would accept all that Jesus is. We resist that, part of our human condition. So we can pray to accept all of Jesus, not just the good things. You know, there's some things that are kind of, yeah, I don't want to go through this test or this trial. But the spiritual component is very important. And, you know, Jesus, when you look at Jesus' ministry, he was all about spiritual. Everything he said and spoke about was spiritual. It was about changing your heart. It was about um, accepting God and, and following the commandments. But it was for your own good. It's about giving glory to God. All of the things that Jesus talked about were spiritual. And Jesus lived for eternity. And he kept trying to teach us, live for eternity. You don't live for what's going on here. You don't live for tomorrow. You live for eternity. And so what you do on earth... Your works, your good deeds, are things that you do to earn points, so to speak, in heaven. It's all spiritual. So when Jesus says, here's this prayer, 
we really need to look for the spiritual things because that's what Jesus was all about. Everything was spiritual. So the spiritual component is really important. And we will see then kind of by um, looking at John 4, um, there's another twist. Jesus directs us to an aspect that we probably don't consider. And so if you turn to your Bibles in John 4, let's look at these uh, three verses here, or four, 31 through 34. And this text um, comes directly after Jesus has the, this is the next thing, after Jesus has the conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. This is the next thing he talks about. So, um, so in, in John 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Hmm. So Jesus is with the Samaritan woman, talking at the well, wowing her with, all, with her history. The disciples had gone to Kroger's to go buy lunch, and they come back, and so they know Jesus is hungry, he's tired, um, and he sat down at the well. Right, and so they know this because they'd already read verse 6, which we didn't. But verse 6 tells us that he was weary and tired, so he sat down at the well and has his chat with the woman. Um, but they realized that he hadn't eaten for a while, and they hadn't either. And so they're, they're trying to get him, they're encouraging him to eat. Come on, eat something. Come on, you need to eat. You need to eat. You need some nourishment. And he surprises them, right? And he says, well, I've got this secret cache of food here. Um, and, and they're confused. They're like, well, did somebody come while we were gone? You know, did somebody go to McDonald's while we were at Kroger's? And they turn around to each other and say, what happened here? And Jesus surprises them again when he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Huh. Well, that's a stumper. And they don't get it. They don't understand it. It's not until after Pentecost, when the Spirit comes, do they understand what he was saying. And so Jesus is saying that he's being motivated and sustained by doing the will of God. So there's a satisfaction that feeds our soul. Jesus is spiritual. There's a satisfaction that feeds our soul. Give us this day our daily bread. Feed my soul, Lord. Doing the Lord's work is a source of spiritual food. It's a source that keeps us motivated and energized. Give us this day our daily bread. Or sustain my faith, to sustain my energy, to go proclaim you, to go bring glory to you. Sustain me at work to do what is right with my coworkers or with my family or you know, while I'm driving. So we can pray for this kind of energy and motivation that we'd be fortified in doing the Lord's work so it doesn't seem to be drudgery. It's not like doing the laundry. I gotta go to church. I gotta go to Sunday school. I gotta go. I'm supposed to go help, you know, at the funeral dinner. <laughs> right? 
It's not drudgery. Jesus says, hey, doing the Lord's work sustains you. It energizes you, man. It makes you feel good. It nourishes you. Go do it. So when we start to get that doldrum, when it seems to be a, um, an obligation or, oh, uh, God, if I don't go, then, you know, Mary's going to talk about me or whatever, right? So we need to put all that aside and get our motivations, get our hearts right. And so we can pray for this kind of energy um, that will be fortified when we're doing the Lord's work. So I want to point out uh, two real quick here, just another aspect of this index that we often race past. Um, recall too, remember when back when we were talking about our Father, in the very beginning, right? We talked about our, um, indicating that we are bound together as believers, that it was, we don't pray necessarily my Father, the prayer is our Father, as if this is a public prayer. And so we have here, um, like our Father, we have give us not the singular me, but give us our daily bread. God's provision then is meant to be shared. Give us. And we're called to share in this abundance that God provides to some of us with those who have received less. We have an example of that today in, um, in our exit offering. And so in sharing our abundance, we fulfill this commandment to feed the needy and house and clothe, you know, all those things that we're commanded to do. And we can do that through this notion of give us our daily bread. I may have more than I need today. You may have less than you need today. But as my brother or sister, I gladly share in the abundance right and so the that's what we do and so um, God's abundant provision then so prayer is answered right so somebody's praying Lord give me the food I need today I need to feed my children today and I don't have any money but there is a provision right there's a place there's a way through us through our generosity through our abundance of the Lord's gifts right all good gifts are from the Lord and so we go, maybe we give food to the food pantry. The mother who doesn't have enough food to feed her children goes to the food pantry. So when I say give us our daily bread, I am providing their daily bread, us. We are answering the call to help our brothers and sisters. Their prayer is being answered. They prayed, give me today our daily bread, and there it was. And so... This way, then, God's provision is, is, um, is sustaining people when our hearts and when our hands and when our, uh, our treasures are open to allowing God's love to flow through them, right? So we can hoard, or we can allow God's love to flow through us, and we can share in the abundance, give us our daily bread. So again, we have, we have an opportunity for that today with the churches in Florida that were destroyed in the hurricane, in the pastor's homes. Um, we have an opportunity to answer their prayer, give us today our daily bread, or to be a part of that. And so then, all of the physical needs of God's children are being satisfied, 
So when we pray, give us, we're asking really to be humbled and content with God's provision, right? I have enough to share. Because tomorrow, God will provide what I need tomorrow. And I have faith and I will trust that he will provide tomorrow. And so, despite the other important implications of our daily bread, it does remain a plea um, for God's for God to provide for our needs, our physical needs. So that's, that's really the core of it. But, you know, those needs might be food, might be uh, clothes or shelter, whatever, comfort. Um, could be a wise doctor or a good mechanic or whatever. It could be all kinds of different things. There's a zillion things. Um, you know, finding a contractor that's honest and isn't going to cheat and that kind of thing. Um, but I want to really kind of remind you to not forget this spiritual aspect of give us this day our daily bread. This is an important element. And so this is all part and parcel of abide in me and I will abide in you. And nothing is too small for God, right? Our daily bread kind of seems like a small thing. When you think about the bigger issues that are going on, you know, strife and problems with families and, you know, the problems with the world and government leaders and, you know, those things like seem like big problems, right? And so, but here's this thing, I just need to eat today. And that may seem like a small thing, um, but it's not. And, and so, You know, I guess I want to kind of close out this topic by just reminding you of what Peter teaches us in 1 Peter 5, just this one verse. And, and in this verse, we're really looking at give us this day our daily bread. And that 1 Peter 5 just says, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares for you. We are his prized possession created for him, by him. We were called to be in one with him. He is the one that is capable, the only one who is capable to provide, the only one who is wholly adequate, holy as in W-H-O, completely adequate to provide for us. And he cares. So we can go to him with this plea to meet our needs, our spiritual needs. Keeping in mind, too, where do all, what are good gifts? All good gifts come from God. Is having faith and, and um, the salvation of our Lord a good gift? I certainly would say it is. And so if that is a good gift, it comes from God, we can pray for that. We can pray to receive that. We can pray to believe it. We can pray that it would be instilled in us. Lord, I don't want any doubt. Give me today the bread that comes from heaven, my Lord. It's a spiritual prayer. 
as well as it is one for physical needs. Um, okay, so that's kind of a twist on what we normally think about as the uh, give us this day our daily bread. Does that cause any questions or comments or concerns or what are you saying? No? Here, I was worried I was going to have too much stuff. And I was going to have many to condense things, but we're probably going to get done early, so it'll work out all right. <clears throat> okay. So we have traversed now along the Lord's Prayer to the next index, which is perhaps the most important aspect of this prayer. Right? This is, um, we've come to and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, as is rendered in the King James. Uh, that's Matthew 6. The ESV translates that as, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here the English Standard Version adds the words also have, making it past tense. So then finally the New Living Translation, which we've been, I've been giving you three versions, New Living Translation says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Again, we have this past tense, have. So, you know, the Lord's Prayer is in both Matthew 6 and Luke 11, and I've been kind of going back and forth on those just to kind of be true to the Scripture. Um, but I want, to, I want to use Matthew 6 here, and there's one reason why I want to do that is because Matthew's version also records Jesus expanding on the issue of forgiveness just two verses later. So right immediately after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes into instruction about forgiveness. So that's why I wanted to use Matthew's version here. Um, and I mentioned this being um, the most important element of the prayer because Forgiveness of sins is at the very heart of our faith. I mean, it is the bedrock. It is why we believe, because we have the forgiveness of sins that we don't have to earn. We don't have to make penance in regard to, okay, I'm going to you know, pay you so much money to the temple, or I'm going to go do X number of good works, and then I'm going to have my sins forgiven. No. We get to lay those burdens onto Jesus free of charge. And so it is the, the foundation of our faith. Without forgiveness of sins, we are, we are cast aside from God and can't be in his presence. That's a bad thing. It's a really bad thing. And we don't want that. And so this perfect sacrifice in Jesus opens up this pathway for us um, that allows us to come in the presence of God. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. But it also brings us into the family of God. We get to claim to be a child of God through the forgiveness of sins. So recall Jesus saying, no one comes to the Father except through me, right? That is about the forgiveness of sins. We can't go to God. We can't stand before God without having first accepted Jesus. Well, we will stand before God if we haven't, but it'll be in the judgment seat during the, during the 
throne, white throne judgment. But we can stand before him today in his glory, in our glory. So sin separates us from God. It's a big deal. Sin separates us from God. So being uh, forgiven is so critical to our spiritual condition. It's the beginning, right? And so um, we're made righteous and holy. (laughs) You're made holy by the forgiveness of sins. So we can be in communion with God. So the mercy of forgiven sin is an absolute critical foundation and the greatest gift, it is the greatest gift, um, that we have as we live as spiritual beings on earth in this human condition. Right? Jesus is trying to teach us to be spiritual beings in our human condition. But the part of this that we have trouble with is the second piece right? Um, As we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. So again, we see here in these translations that this is something that should have already been done. Before we go to God, we should have already forgiven those people. So if you look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15, this is these verses I was just talking about. This is, again, so if you're looking, this is right after the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer is in those verses right before that. So Matthew 6 at 14, um, um, we're going to see about Jesus teaching about our own forgiveness. And so in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Huh. Think it might be important to forgive others? Seems kind of critical to me. So it is important to forgive those who hurt us, who rip us off, whether in some kind of business transaction or what it may be. Um, you know, your brother took the bigger half of the sandwich and whatever. And um, when we were growing up and we were always, you know, mom was always dividing stuff out. You know, it was like a big day was to have Pepsi. That was a big day, you know. And dad would get a whole bottle. But the kids, mom would pour out, you know, we'd get, and we'd probably look and see which one was more than the other one, right? And so, (laughs) so. Then there was the one sibling would always just know right away and grab the big cup, you know. So then we get mad, right? So, but we need to forgive, right? Whatever the, whatever the harm is to us. Or we're persecuted. You know, we're seeing more of this. Not, we're not seeing our heads getting lopped off just yet in America. But we are seeing a lot of emotional persecution, a lot of um, the, the Christian faith and the things we believe in being attacked and mocked quite regularly, and it makes us angry. But we're supposed to forgive, right? We're supposed to forgive them. Um, It is important. And Jesus says that our own salvation is predicate upon our forgiveness of others. That seems kind of strange. I'm I'm not a God. Who am I? 
do this. If we're not willing to forgive, God's not willing to forgive. And this is the cornerstone of our faith, right? So we need to take this real seriously. And it is something very much need to be praying about because we don't like to forgive. We don't want to. Um, we don't want to let that blasted so-and-so off the hook, right? We don't want him to think it's okay. We want them to be miserable for what they did to me or to my kids or my grandkids or my neighbor's kids or the, you know, the neighbor's cat, whatever it is. We want them to pay. We want them to be miserable. But forgiveness isn't necessarily payment of consequence, right? So if someone um, injures you intentionally, they're prosecuted under the law, they go to jail, there's a consequence. That consequence is real. Our forgiveness is a whole different thing. So there could be consequences regardless of our forgiveness. All right, and so, but on the other hand, right, so we, we don't, we're mad and we don't want to forgive them. But now let's turn the table or turn the page here where Jesus says, if you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive. So do we want to not be forgiven? You know, we've done a lot of stupid things. We've hurt a lot of people in our life, even though we didn't mean to, we didn't want to. We have. Sometimes we want to or did. You know, especially, you know, in your days of darkness, as pastors pastors have been preaching on. But we don't want God to say, hey, you nasty little so-and-so, you're going to water on your misery. I ain't forgiving you. We don't want that. No, we beg for mercy. And so why then is God saying, you have to do this too? Forgiving others is an act of mercy. Our forgiveness is God's act of mercy. He doesn't have to. He does because we are his prized possession. He does forgive us. He does extend his mercy. And so it is a matter of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. When we forgive those who have harmed us, it is doing exactly what God does in heaven. He forgives us. And so God says, Give, you know, do, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You do it. You do my will. You have mercy, right? What does God require? We looked at Micah 6, 8 a couple times. God requires us to be, merc to be merciful and to humbly walk before him. It's important that we act like God, not only in mercy and forgiveness, but in all kinds of other things. That's what we're praying about, that we could be more like God in all these different things. And so we have this, this idea here, God's putting, or Jesus is putting across to us, that, that we recognize God's mercy and we extend that mercy just as God has done to us or for us. So in here, these, these things really are all, they're all so interlinked, these indexes to this prayer. And so 
we have, you know, forgive me my sins, Lord, as I have already forgiven those who have sinned against me. I've already done my part, Lord. I have been merciful. Please be merciful to me. Now, we're going to get into this a lot deeper um, next time. You know, I thought we were probably going to run out of time, but um, I apparently did, I misjudged my my stuff here, my content. We're going to have we do have two more sessions after today, and we'll we'll get through this no problems, um, and we'll have some time to kind of reflect and go through a, another sample prayer um, to see how we bring all of this together. But um, so again, we're going we're going to spend more time on this because this is big. This is very important, and we want to make sure we really grasp this forgiveness thing and asking for forgiveness and so and there's a oh my god there's a, a million scriptures we can look at um, for this but this is one of those things that we know if you've been um, going to church if you've been of the faith for any period of time you you know this is a big deal and Jesus talks about it a lot it's in the Old Testament you know we have the sacrifices and it's in the New Testament and all the gospel writers talk about it all the epistles talk about it this is the big thing so we want to make sure we get what are we praying about when we say forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us all right so anyway we'll spend more time with this next time and um, we're going to try to understand the, the degree of importance that this needs so any questions Sure. Okay. I've had, well, my brothers have, with my mom and dad have been, mm -hmm. uh, there was kind of, you know, with the world and all that stuff. And oh, I yeah. Mean, I just understand, you know, that's just yeah. them. But I don't want to be with them. Yeah. So, is that forgiveness or not? Well, right. So there are, you know, there's, there's consequences. As I say, there's difference between forgiveness and consequence. And so, um, you can kind of give lip service to um, forgiveness but have you extended mercy and so um, you can do it kind of like as an obedience thing well Lord you say I gotta forgive him so I'll forgive him but I don't want to forgive him and I don't I don't forgive him in my heart but Lord you tell me I have to forgive him because I want to be forgiven so I forgive him but if your heart hasn't forgiven then it is something that's a harbor, that you're harboring it. And, and this is what we pray for. This is exactly, what you're talking about is exactly what we pray for. Give me the heart to forgive. Give me your compassion, Lord. I want to be more like you. Give me the strength I need in my human condition to get past my own hurt and my own pride to see my brothers as you do. Now, I don't know what's in your heart, um, but those, those are tough issues. And the wills and that kind of stuff, oh, they're horrible. You know, we've gone through that in our family, and sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, right now it's a, it's a, it's a point of great contention in our family. And so well, these things are hard. They are. But it, really it's a matter of the heart. And it's so... What is your heart? Have you given lip service to forgiveness because it's required? Kind of like, well, I gotta go to church, or I'm supposed to give money. There's some money, right? And so, but God says, I want a cheerful giver. I want, it, I want it to be in your heart. I want you to want to do this. 
this is no different. I want you to want to forgive as I want to forgive. Does that help or make things worse for you? I mean, they're just stupid. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know. I, mean, I get it. I just, I just don't, I yeah. Just want to be around stupid. Yeah. But, yeah. But they are yeah. my family. Sure. And I can't. Right. Really, I mean, I can talk. Right. right. I said, it's no big deal. Right. I just don't want to spend time. Right. I know right. that they're my brothers. Right. That makes me feel bad. But I sound horrible. Well, I know, but so <laughs> we. But I'm, I'm in our human condition, I talk about this all the time because it's important to understand our human condition. In our condition, we have this notion that family is um, really important, and, and it is, and that we need to take care of each other. But, but once you're adopted into God's family, right, who becomes your family? So now Danny's my brother, and Dave's my brother. And so we have all this now, this, this different family, right? It's different family. We look through the Bible and look at the, at the passages in the scripture and you see these divisions that happen within families. Um, Isaac and or Jacob and Esau. And um, look what happened in David's family, right? His son um, kills another son or, and then there's the daughter that's raped and he's got all these problems. And then his sons kill the guy that raped his daughter. Um, should he... They tried to kill him, right? The one son tries to kill his own father. Well, should he want to be around him? Probably not. And then in the end, too, the scripture says, Jesus says, right, that I'm going to separate mothers and daughters standing, basically, you're standing at the kitchen counter, I'm going to separate you. And you're going to be working in the field with your son, I'm going to separate you. Jesus' focus is on the family of God, the family of believers, not your earthly siblings or your... Now, we are, we are told in regard to our parents to honor our parents, but we're not told to honor our siblings, all right? Now, we do love our siblings in different fashion because we grew up around them, they have a common heritage, um, we know them best. But I don't think that God puts the same um, emphasis on family, earthly families, as we do. So when you go, um, I must be a bad person. No, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, if they're not believers, that's a whole different ballgame. It is a game changer. And if they are believers, they shouldn't be acting in this, in this accord, right? So... Um, their heart should be one of compassion and mercy and fairness, right? And that's what God wants for you. He wants, he wants this things to, you know, things to be fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no. that is the human condition, you know? And so I, and I, I may have mentioned this before because I talk about this often. It's one of those things to me. You know, people, you ask somebody how they're doing, and they'll say something like, well, I'm on this side of the grass. And I'm like, I don't know if that's better. I, I, I really don't. I, I don't know that I want to be on this side of the grass. I really am, I'm all in favor of absent from the body, present with the Lord. I am all okay with that. And so, you know, to think, oh, well, the Lord gave me another day. 
Okay, I'll use it to glorify you, Lord, because you've kept me here. How do I glorify you today? But really, Lord, I'd rather be with you in heaven. You know, I'd kind of rather be done with this. But we don't get to choose that. So we're here to glorify God in all of our days. In all of our, in all the ways that we, that we do. So, anything else? That's a good topic, and it's a, it's difficult. I think we go, or at least I probably do to, to some degree, is, is you get into a, a pattern or a rhythm, like doing certain things every day, kind of mm-hmm. like going to work, going to mm-hmm. school, coming mm-hmm. up to church, or, or whatever it may, may be. And I think for me, in my own prayer life, sometimes it, it's, I don't want to say it's a ritual, or it's, it's maybe a routine, you get up and you mm-hmm. pray and you do all these different things. Mm-hmm. and. Sometimes I think over a period of time you kind of lose the focus or, or the heart of it, you know, yeah. like the meaning behind it. All, because all it becomes routine. So we were expected to do it, and you know, sometimes you know, we'll be sincere and honest. I'll be like, you know, I, I got this, but but in the morning sometimes it's like you're kind of in a hurry, so you kind of getting lip service sometimes. Not not the meaning that right. I don't mean it, but that's like right. you're kind of rushing guys so you can get right. to wherever it is. Right. It is an obligation. It's something i got to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then Jesus is teaching us to not do that. Yep. That This is a matter of the heart. It's all a matter of the heart. Jesus, Jesus is all about spirituality. It's all about changing your heart. It isn't about, you know... Checking the list off, I did this, I did that, I went to the women's group, and we did a, we did a funeral dinner, and I went to this prayer group, and we, I went to my Bible study, and it's not like about checking those things off. It's not in the regard that I did these things. Rather, I do these things because I'm motivated to do these things. I do these things because this is where God's heart is. This is where God says, I'm supposed to serve others. I'm supposed to share the love of God, this great love that we've given, that God has given us, that we didn't earn. He just gives it to us. And we're supposed to share that love. They don't have to earn it. We're supposed to share it. Now, it's kind of a different thing when we're talking about evil, and that's a whole different thing. But when we're talking about people within the church, um, we're supposed to love, right? Now, there's a difference between evil people and church people. Big difference in how we approach that. But I think that's the thing that Jesus, and, and even Paul, talks to us too in different places where he says, hey, examine yourself. Take time to examine yourself. Are your motives pure? That's what you're getting at, Danny. It's just this, I'm doing these things out of sense of obligation. I know they're the right things. So sometimes I kind of just step back, okay, well, I'm examine myself just through the years, especially being in the military and all that, I've always been like, okay, you know, things are going to get chaotic, is, it, is there something the Lord is trying to show me or yeah. is there something that I'm doing to myself that's causing that? Sure. Yeah, am I traveling too far away from the Lord and so therefore things, I'm not getting good gifts. Yeah. Anything else? Well, let's, let's close in prayer then, Lord. Lord, these things weigh upon our hearts, and we, it is our desire to come to you, and it is our desire to know you more, 
Um, but Lord, our humanness gets in the way. Being in the world is challenging. And Lord, you tell us that it will be challenging and that you, you tell us that we will have hard days. You tell us that each day has its own worries. And Lord, we know this. And Father, we just we pray that we would have the faith, that you would give us the faith we need to seek you, to seek your good gifts, that you would shower them down upon us as you promise, that we would know that you are God and that you love us and that you are the provider of all that we need. And Lord, we, we, we talk about the things that we need as both the material things we need um, we need money to purchase the, the, the goods and services we need to live on earth. But Lord, we need you. We need your guidance, your spiritual guidance. Lord, we just need you to become part of us. And we cannot do this on our own. So Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to get rid of our pride and to, to seek you, that we could abide in you with great fervor. And so Lord, as we part our fellowship today, it is our plea that you would guide us, that what we do and what we say would bring glory to you, for all glory is yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.